0: This is Clothes Making Mavens, a sewing podcast about handmade fashion. Hello, and welcome to the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. I'm Laurie, and I'm Helena. So we've got some great stuff lined up for you in today's episode, including our fellow Maven Maris, who is going to um, give us some advice on how to use all those presser feet. You know, the ones that are that came with your machine and are just sitting there not doing much of anything, if you're like me anyway. So she'll uh, explain to us how to use those coming up later. And Helena and I are also going to talk about what inspires us. Where do we get our inspiration for sewing and for projects from? So we'll, we'll chat about that. But first, Helena, why don't we start with some stories from our listeners? Yeah, let's have a listen to some of your proudest sewing moments. I'll start off with Mercela Sierra, and I am sure I am not saying that uh, <laughs> that correctly, so I apologize. I know that she is from Spain and that she blogs at merceshomesewing.blogspot.com. And she writes... The good thing about sewing is that you never ever stop learning. That's amazing and I love it since I'm totally addicted to learning. I was proud when I started to make my own patterns, when I learned to knit a couple of years ago and, and stuck to it, or most recently that I am learning to drape. But maybe the proudest moment is when I learned how to sew leather and made my first leather jacket. I couldn't stop myself from telling everyone and make them admire the jacket. And you know what? It is a gorgeous gorgeous jacket we will uh, put a link in our show notes so you can go and check out her beautiful leather jacket definitely a moment to be proud of in sewing for sure we also heard from amanda who blogs at sewhaligonian.blogspot.ca My proudest moment was the first pair of pants that I made that actually fit me. As someone with unconventional measurements, apparently it's not normal to have thighs almost the same size as your waist, who knew? Having a pair of pants that fit everywhere instead of just all right in some places and not at all in other places was life changing. I'm almost done my second pair and I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to buy pants again. Congratulations, Amanda. I think that pants are definitely one of our proudest sewing moments as they're so difficult to achieve, but definitely satisfying when you do get that fit just right. We also heard from Naomi, who blogs at SpareRoomStyle.wordpress.com and she also says that probably the first pair of pants that she worked really hard at fitting specifically to her figure was one of her proudest sewing moments Uh, and she also talks about a car coat that she made for her then boyfriend, who is now her husband, which was from a beautiful Italian wool tweed. Featured my first ever set of welt pockets, every pattern piece made to measure for his long skinny bod, this was before I was confidently fitting and altering patterns at will, and a double fastening up the front using buttons and a zip. It was lined in brushed cotton so it was warm and cozy on, and my sister made me a custom care label with her quilting machine that said, Happy Birthday Alex, Love Gnome. He loves it, and it gets lots of comments when he wears it. So that sounds just amazing. Naomi, thank you so much for sharing that. And obviously you cast a spell as you were working your magic into that coat because of course he's now your husband. It has it had to have been the coat for sure. Also, Uta, who blogs at celebrityuc.wordpress.com and also is a fellow Torontonian. Hi, Uta. Uh, She mentions her proudest moment in sewing. She writes, if I can think of the first one for me, it wasn't even the fact of wearing something out that I made, but it was more the fact that I made it. It was my first button-down shirt. I was able to accomplish something I always wanted to try. Suddenly, fabric became a garment, and I had a part in it. In that moment, I was very proud of the potential that was unleashed. And I have to agree with you, Uta, I think that every time you turn fabric into a garment is indeed a really proud moment, and the excitement of knowing that you can do this and that there's so much more potential for it is really one of the reasons we all love sewing. So we have a message from Sierra that came in on our clothesmakingmavens.com website, It's uh, a very moving and personal story. My proudest sewing moment is also kind of a life bummer, but here we go. My goal is to have a completely handmade wardrobe, and since I wear jeans daily, like eight months of the year, that meant I had to make jeans. Last spring, I bought a pattern, printed it out, taped it together, made flat pattern adjustments, bought denim and rivets and all the hardware. I cut out my fabric along with all the interfacing and contrasting bits, like waistband facing and pocket bags. And then I found out I was pregnant. No sense putting a bunch of effort into making jeans I'm not going to be able to wear for the next year, right? So I put my cut fabric in a bag and set it aside to be revisited after the baby was born. At 10 weeks, I had a miscarriage. On my birthday. I could have gone ahead and tackled the jeans at that point, but instead they became a symbol of what I had lost. The baby I didn't have, the little sibling my daughter wouldn't have. My due date would have been February 6th, 2016. So on February 6th, I dug out my cut fabric and started constructing the jeans. It made me feel really sad at first, but by the time I finished them, they had become a way for me to finally say goodbye to the baby I had lost and to accept the life I have with my one child. Whenever I wear them, I'm proud of myself for getting through the loss, respecting my emotions around it, and pushing on to give myself the life I want. Making the jeans and transforming them from a symbol into just an everyday item of clothing I can wear to the playground really did help me heal emotionally. Plus, I made jeans. That's pretty cool, too. Sierra, thank you so much for sharing that very intimate and personal story with us. Um, I always find it interesting that sewing often begets uh, emotional and personal stories that are related and intertwined and sewn up in the garments that we sew. So congratulations on you for making jeans. I'm sorry for your loss and I'm really glad that sewing helped you get through a difficult time. The Naughty Bun of com wrote in to say That her proudest sewing moment had to do with a costume that she sewed for her daughter. Uh, She was cosplaying, and if you're not familiar with the term uh, cosplay, it's really just sort of dressing up in costume to play a well-known character from a video game or a film or an animated series, that sort of thing. Uh, So the Naughty Bun's daughter was uh, cosplaying Hungary from Hetalia, and she says that that was her proudest moment when her daughter ecstatically exclaimed, They told me I was the best Hungary at the con this summer. So I guess she went to the Comic-Con Festival and uh, really made an impression with her costume. Uh, and she made the pattern herself. So that's uh, that's really extraordinary. Congratulations on that. And Elizabeth made this from emadethis.wordpress.com wrote in to say, that her proudest sewing moment was the tiny double-breasted jacket she made for her oldest son when he was about nine months old. She writes, I was a beginning garment sewist, and I'd never made a jacket before, yet somehow I dived into the project without fear of sewing a jacket from a Japanese pattern book. I used a reference book to get through the instructions, since I don't read Japanese, and I drafted my own lining in a rust plaid cotton. The outer fabric was grey twill from a really nice pottery barn pillow sham, and I had just enough fabric to eke out the whole tiny jacket. The only bummer was the weird seam that was running in a strange place on the hood because I didn't understand how hoods were put together at the time. I chalked it up to experience, though, and forgot about my mistake when I saw how absolutely adorable my baby looked in it. Thanks for sharing that with us, Elizabeth. It sounds amazing. Congratulations. So thanks very much to everyone who uh, told us about their proudest sewing moment. We're really happy to uh, have your feedback on that call-in, and it's great to hear from you. Thank you so
1: much for sharing your stories with us. And our next question that we'd love to get feedback on is, what makes something look handmade? I know people have really... Strong opinions on this, and I'd love to hear they're very differing, so I'd love to hear what everyone thinks. What are your thoughts on that, Laurie?
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting because I guess it depends on whether what you sew whether you want it to look handmade or whether you want to sort of blend in, so to speak, and just be incognito like sure, this could have been something out of a ready to wear store um, so you know, I guess it depends what what you're going for. What I'm grappling with right now is um I think I'm coming to the realization that I get asked less if something I'm wearing is something I made when it's um when it's more of a basic so in other words it's got maybe just one solid color instead of some kind of flamboyant print i, I people tend to ask me more if it's if it's got a crazy print or if it's something unusual if it's something i made and then there's always of course the question if someone asks you if it's if you made it yourself, is that a bad thing or a good thing that they're asking, right? <laughs> right. That's a good question. Yeah. That yeah. is what runs across our minds, isn't it? Yeah. Do you, what, how do you feel about that when someone asks you, are you flattered or do you think, oh, why are you asking? Does it look handmade?
1: <laughs> well, I think I have a bit of a reputation around the people that I know. So I think... I assume that they mean the best when they say, is it something that you've made? And I assume that they mean that it's unique because I don't, I don't make basics. So I, um, I think that they must be asking me because it's not something that you can find in stores or, or I just like to assume that, um, it's so great that they are asking me, uh, because they would like to own one too. And they are disappointed when they know that they can't. So,
0: right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting question about what makes something look handmade. So we would love to hear from our listeners. And if you'd like to give us a call to um, tell us your thoughts, that would be great. You can call us at four zero one sixty four maven four zero one sixty four maven You can also visit our website, clothesmakingmavens.com. And there's a handy little gadget there on the site where you can click to record a story for us. And that'll just record through your built-in speaker on your computer. Or of course you can uh send us comments on the on the website or either one of our blogs. You can get Helena at grayallday.com and you can find me at frivolous at last.com. So please tell us what do you think makes something look handmade and is that a good thing or a bad thing?
1: I'm excited to hear. Me too. So uh this is a fun discussion. Uh how we get our inspiration and I know that I am flooded with inspiration all the time. I always have 10 projects going. I have a huge backlog of um, – I write things down. I like to draw things. I'm horrible at drawing, but I like to draw things. So I mm-hmm. have little scribbles everywhere of ideas, um, and I also have lists everywhere, and I just have – so, and I – tried to whittle my list down so that it's in a more focused uh list manner like these are the ones that I really am going to focus on next time but I I always go off list as soon as I see something new right. so
0: we have a lot to talk
1: about because I get inspired everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know you and I, Helena, we're both list maniacs for sure, and <laughs> we've both had that same problem of making a list on a scrap of paper, and then where did that go? No idea. Okay, so much for that. Um, which is one of the reasons why I would love to find a great place online for keeping track of uh, what we intend to to sew. Something like Ravelry for for knitters. I find that that's really great. Um, and in an upcoming episode, I think you and I. Are going to talk about, uh, look at some of the different online platforms for that, which can also provide a ton of inspiration to see other people's um, cues and projects and things like that, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that doing the research for that
1: is actually going to help my organization, kind of a, mm-hmm. a selfish idea. But I, I'm i looking forward to exploring all the different platforms and seeing Maybe one is going to be the magic bullet that gets me organized.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I um, I tend to not really do the list thing, probably mainly because I haven't found the one tool that I really like keeping track of it with. So I tend to just get inspired by something and I might see a pattern online and then realize I have just the fabric. And then you know that very same day I'll have it sewn up, even though I had no intention or even no realization that I needed say a skort, which is something I, I did um, recently in, in that way. Just I saw the pattern went, I'm gonna do that right now, I love it. Um, and had no idea that that was a hole in my wardrobe but it turned out it was and that happened to come to me through um, I had subscribed to mailing list from itch to stitch so I sewed um, oh yeah I sewed mm-hmm. itch to Stitch's Belize skort and it was pretty cool so I find sometimes things coming into my inbox is kind of nice because I didn't have to go out searching for it it came to me and then that's kind of a nice way to be inspired
1: yeah, are you are you subscribed to everyone's newsletter? I feel like I'm almost everyone, but I don't have the itch to stitch. One. Uh, you know, I'm in her Facebook group, so I get yeah. all her um all her updates and stuff, but I yeah. I think that I'm signed up for everyone's newsletter
0: that I can think <laughs> yeah. of. It's a lot of incoming mail, isn't it? But what are, what are your favorite sewing blogs?
1: Oh, my favorite sewing blogs. Um you know, one that I like that is great inspiration because it is uh it it's aggregates a bunch of different sewers is the monthly stitch. mm mm-hmm. So I find that one inspiring for a couple of reasons. So you see a bunch of different sewists that have different um aesthetics, you know. Like, there are some bloggers that I can definitely say are my same aesthetic, and I always go to their blog, and I love what they make, and um, Lori Vamon and I talked about that in our interview. I feel like she's one of those where if I switched wardrobes with her, I'd be perfectly happy because we just (laughs) have the same. But also, the monthly stitch is nice because it has a whole bunch of different aesthetics and different viewpoints that are coming from different different places, Uh, and... There's a lot of content coming out because mostly at the end of the month when everyone's got all their their projects for the challenges done, but it's really nice to keep getting that that content. And I am inspired by the challenges too. So they have a challenge every month and that can be that kind of uh, creative challenge, that kind of keeping, keeping in uh, some parameters is really fun for me. I really like to do that. Do you ever go to the Monthly Stitch?
0: I do. Yeah, one of the things that I, I love about it, and I think this is unique to the Monthly Stitch, is that they've invited other sewers to become uh, contributors on the blog. So you are signed up as a contributor, and and you can post on the blog rather than running your own blog. You can just post there, which is nice. And I think that's why you get that variety of different aesthetics that are popping up on the Monthly Stitch all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the last challenge you did with them? Oh, they
1: did um, indie pattern month and I did a I think it was ready to wear inspiration I mean my um I mean overall dress like a you know
0: what would that be dungarees kind of thing denim yeah Mm -hmm. oh that was super cute i really loved that that was i saw that on your blog very very nice thank you i I I kind of missed their last challenge i didn't get in the deadline that's my eternal problem is Uh... thinking oh yeah i'm definitely gonna do that challenge and then Not ready. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it is good inspiration. I love challenges because you think, okay, well, yeah, if I can work to that deadline, then that gives me, you know, a reason to pick something and get it done and try to get it done by this deadline. And, you know, because I can spend... I don't know if you have the same problem, Helena, but I can spend way too much time just looking through inspiration, looking at reading sewing blogs and looking at Instagram and, and wading through all of this inspiring stuff and then coming away from it feeling overwhelmed and not able to make a decision about what the heck I'm going to sew, right? So I have to try to find that balance between the inspiration input and the actual sewing output. That's, that's a bit of an issue for me right now.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's why I do the lists. So I have it written down. I can refer to it again if I feel that I need the inspiration, but its I don't feel like I have to keep it uppermost in my mind, like, oh, I have to remember that, and it um, gives me anxiety. I'm like, it's mm-hmm. written down. Maybe I don't know where it's written down or where that piece of paper is, but it's somewhere, and and... <laughs> That helps me a little bit in just calming yeah. myself because yeah, I do get that anxiety. There is so much inspiration, which is exciting, but it yeah, it can be overwhelming for sure. For sure.
0: Yeah. Sewing anxiety, I, you know, that that's that's a thing for oh, sure. Thing. We could yeah. probably do a whole podcast on that. Oh, good, write
1: that one down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sewing anxiety. Share
0: your sewing anxiety and neuroses with us. Yeah. Yes. That's that'll definitely be an interesting phone in. So, um, do you ever well, I know that you do a lot of sewing contests. I know you've participated in, for example, the the sewing bee that um that uh, sewing pattern review does does every year. Tell me about um contests and how you find them to be inspiring
1: well i I like a deadline, so I am much more a starter than a finisher, and so I I think I mentioned I have 10 projects or something that are going on right now. Um, and the contests, you can't start before for uh, the pattern review contests. You have to start at the day, but um, you have to be finished. And I think that really narrows my focus and gets me going and gets me finished. In general, contests help me finish projects. Same with um, sew along. same with the the blog tour we were both just on the blog tour for stylish fabrics that mm-hmm, was fun mm-hmm. and we had to get that done because we had a date and we did, yeah um that helped me stay focused because i definitely i hit some road bumps with a particular <laughs> project and i would have thrown it in the corner if i could have but i said no oh, i'm going good. to finish it and it turned out really great i really like oh that it top sure now. did
0: yeah it was a beautiful gauzy blush pink blouse it was it was lovely Helena you did a great job on that but that for me was my my first um blog tour that I participated in and yeah that was interesting having the deadline and knowing um you know somebody's actually going to look at this I mean you know people look at my blog generally but it's not I don't know. It just felt there was a different kind of pressure for sure. And mm-hmm. I was so worried. I, I sewed a long um, sleeveless cardigan. It was very simple and very plain. And as I was sewing it up, I'm like, I can't believe I'm sewing the most simplistic thing I've sewn in a long time as part of this blog tour. Like this, I was thinking, this is a disaster. Mm-hmm. It's too simple. It's too easy. What am I doing? But it's actually, you know, I'm also starting to realize that the simplest, easiest thing sometimes can be the most effective as well. So...
1: I don't think it was so simple because it's it's a third piece as far as your wardrobe goes. So it's not like you um, did a t-shirt. The vest can be added into any outfit and really bring it up a level. So even though the lines are simple, it's probably a good idea that it wasn't um, like overly complicated and busy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Because it is a third piece, the lines of it were the the style that you add to you You showed it with a couple outfits, right? And yeah, I think it yeah. really brought those those outfits up a notch, so I don't know.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I'm really pleased with it. It's definitely a great addition to the Wardome. And and to call it simple, I I have to laugh because, of course, I did not make it simple on myself. I took the back piece and sewed the two shoulder seams of the back piece to each other. And then not only did I do that, like, hello, but then I spent a good half hour thinking to myself, well, this is going to be interesting to see how this comes together because clearly this is a fairly (laughs) complex and different construction method so yeah so I puzzled over that for way too long and I'm embarrassed to say how long it took me to figure out that no Lori you do not sew the two shoulder seams of the back piece to each other (laughs) ridiculous (laughs)
1: and sewing that kind of drapey knit is never uh easy
0: either there's the rolling and the yeah yeah oh god unpicking was a nightmare oh yeah anyhow yeah um do you subscribe to any magazines or pick up any magazines regularly for sewing inspiration well, of course, Berta
1: Style. I don't have a mm-hmm. current uh, a current subscription, but I love my old ones so much. Like, I look through them all the time. And I got some, um, we'll call them vintage. They were 2011. I just got picked up a couple of those. So I can, and they're totally current still. They're, the styles are great still. Um, those magazines especially, I love how they, I mean, you can do that in any, magazine you can flip through it and see styles that you like and that you want to make but I especially like how they tell you what the fabric is because I think that's the trickiest part with sewing Mm -hmm. as we discussed Mm -hmm. um, in our last so small talk so that is a big inspiration for me but just regular magazines are fun too
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I love Berta Style as well. I have a special little store up the road from my house. It's run by these uh, two women who are in their 80s. They're originally from Germany, and it's called Ye Ye Old Country Shoppy. you know, shop with a Uh, P-P-E. And they carry all these sort of arcane German stuff, little doilies, and, and they have Birda magazine, and they hold one for me every month. And I go and they exclaim over whatever I'm wearing, and they want to ask where my husband is because they say he's so handsome. Where is he? Why don't you bring him by here? <laughs> they're so fun, and maybe they're half the reason why I get Berta every month for sure. But um, but yeah, I love the styles in in Birda. I think they're really fashion forward, and I, I always find half a dozen things I definitely want to sew. But I do have a love hate relationship. I I need more, um, better directions. I need yeah. visual drawings. You know, like, Bird is just a little bit too mysterious for me. Yeah. But I do love that as inspiration for sure. Yeah. And do you, um, don't you, didn't you say that you liked
1: catalogs? What catalogs are inspirational for you? They mm. Catalogs have the great advantage of really showing off the clothes. They're not trying to be all, editorial and and you know interesting lighting they are just like here are the clothes you can see the style lines you can you know they describe the fabric too so I think they're great inspiration but what are the ones that you like
0: yeah well you know what I to be honest Helena catalogs aren't really a thing that I've taken inspiration from but it sounds like I mean that sounds like a great idea um I find myself less less wanting to look for inspiration in the ready-to-wear world as I, I'd much rather look at specifically sewing, um, sewing blogs, sewing magazines, sewing books, because I like the feeling of knowing that if I want to do that, if I want to sew that, I can't, because it's, it's specifically meant to be sewn. Um, the ready-to-wear, I'm not so confident in my skills in trying to Alter an existing pattern to try to make it more like something I saw in ready to wear uh that kind of thing, but I know that your skills are incredible, so I'm sure that you're able to look at something ready to wear and then just go, Yeah, I think I'll make that and bam, right <laughs> yeah, I just i I don't want to get
1: too far in a bubble where, um you know how people will get in a craze here in the the sewing community and then you don't kind of look up and say is this flattering on me or is this just what everyone's making? I've, I've been guilty of that Mm. to a degree. So, so I try to, to look at catalogs and I try to, um, to look at fashion magazines. Fashion magazines are kind of, you know, they're not wearable, but they're still fun to look at. It's fun, fun eye candy Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. sure. So what are your favorite books? Do you tend to get inspired by sewing books or do you buy a lot of them?
0: Uh, I don't buy a lot of them. I tend to buy the kind of books that are very almost utilitarian in terms of them being just about techniques and so that I can look up something in the book if I need to. You know, oh, how do you do an invisible zipper again and look it up in the book? Um, I have checked out, I don't know if you've seen this series called Drape Drape. Um they are Japanese style sewing and gosh, I forget the name of the author off the top of my head, but we'll have to add that into our show notes sure. uh, in case anyone's interested. But um, in Japanese and and Asian um, style, there's a lot of draping and sort of unusual angles of the fabric. You know, the pattern pieces are unusual, and then the way they come together and then they drape once you've put them together um, gives it their shape. So they're very strange to work with, and I enjoyed looking at those books. Some of them were way too over the top for me, for sure, but um, definitely got some great inspiration from those books
1: yeah I've seen those they're on my wish list but I wondered if they were wearable or not that's kind of it, it would be interesting to put them together but to spend that kind of time on a dress that I'm not sure I'll wear kind of it makes me hesitate though the styling does look really really beautiful there yeah. so
0: yeah and I think you really would have to do a, a muslin with with those ones and especially if you were going to use a an expensive fabric on the finished product because I don't know that there's much fitting you can do along the way because it's really how the pieces are sewn and then the way they drape once they're sewn together that I, I, I don't know if you can kind of eyeball it and go, oh, this looks like it's going to be too big. I'll just cut that back now. You know, that kind right. of thing. So yeah. So it wouldn't be
1: intuitive how to take it in or. I think or, so. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. What are your favorite books for, for sewing inspiration?
1: Well, I have my favorite, my current favorite is the um, Victory Patterns book. I will put the name of it in the show notes because um, I can't remember the actual name of it. I can picture the the outside of it, and it is so full of inspiration. It is fit and flare mm-hmm. because it's bodices that will go with different skirts and different sleeves and the mixing and matching is amazing I love that and the styling of course I love Christiane's beautiful styling and just her aesthetic is really inspiring Mm -hmm. Um, but I haven't made anything out of the book yet and I do that is my M.O. I will buy the book and I will look at the pretty pictures and then I'll never make anything out of it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but you were inspired at least, yes, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Thi- it's called Boundless Style. Thank you. I just you. remembered. Thank you. Yeah, yep. exactly. Boundless Style. Yeah, I love the concept where it's sort of – and doesn't the book have split pages so you can actually like flip to one bodice and then flip to a different, um, different skirt style? And I could be making that up. Maybe I dreamt that. Maybe that's my ideal book is like – You know, one of those where you can kind of pick the bodice, pick the bottom, pick the middle, put it all together, see what it looks like. I think
1: she maybe had that on the website or something like that.
0: Oh, yeah. Maybe it was an app or something. Yeah. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. yeah, That was pretty cool for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That is a cool idea. Definitely.
1: One book that I got really excited about and I haven't made um, anything out of again, but I am still, still to this day inspired is Twinkle Sews. And um, it's by Wenlin Wenlin Chai. Chi?
0: Yeah, yeah. Wait, I'm going to look it up. I know know who you're talking about. I've got some of her um, knitting books.
1: Right, right. Yeah, she was a knitwear designer. Wenlin Chia. Uh Aha. Yeah. When I got the books, I definitely thought some of those styles were out there. She's pretty edgy- it was, it was pretty, um, fashion forward when I got it several years ago. And now I'm definitely seeing more possibilities. And I just took it out to flip through the other day and I was like, Oh yeah, I love this book. I just, I, her styling is really cute and funky. Um, and the all the little details that she puts in. Those are great details that you can use in other projects. So she has some like origami style folding. She has um, some asymmetrical cuts. Uh, definitely a lot of juxtaposition between different fabrics that you would normally put together like lace and tweed and, and things like that. So I just rediscovered it and I
0: love it again. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. I do like her her style for sure. Do you um do you follow Instagram Helena?
1: Oh, I love Instagram. I I remember when Twitter came out and I was like okay, and there was a lot of sewing people on there and I followed them and I'm like this isn't any fun. I quickly just let that lapse and then Instagram came out and I'm like okay, now we are talking. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is how where it should be.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's um Um, I know that a lot of bloggers that I follow, for example, um, Debbie from Lily Sage & Co., I don't know if you know her blog, but I find her style just absolutely fabulous. And um, I feel like she blogs a little less um, these days because she's spending – she posts a lot on uh, Instagram. Um, But uh, for me, I considered using Instagram myself, but I just – Oh my goodness! Yet another platform to deal with. I think that's one of the issues when uh, we want to share our makes and talk with other people. Is is where do you prioritize your time? And I really do enjoy writing my blog, and I just think you know Instagram would be nice to participate in. But you know, where am I gonna where am I gonna carve out the extra time to do that? Oh, that's a bummer. I think
1: you have to pick what your favorite platform is, right? So, Mm -hmm. are you on you on Facebook a lot? Uh, Is that one of your platforms?
0: Sort of, yeah. More for a personal thing, more than sewing for sure. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, I tried Twitter. I didn't think that that was useful. And then I found Instagram and I'm like, okay, this is where it's at. So Mm -hmm. I think trying out the different – oh, and then my little sister was just in Europe and Mm -hmm. she texted me and said, oh, I put some pictures up on Snapchat. And I'm like, "Mm, no, I cannot (laughs) Snapchat. I'm almost 40. I cannot figure that out. I'm so sorry. She's like, okay, I'll text you the photos.
0: <laughs> I'll send Thank smoke you. signals to you or a telegram, yeah. right? Yeah. Right, a telegram.
1: That's perfect for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. There's, I mean, so many sources of inspiration and you, you really do have to prioritize her. it can be just completely overwhelming. Then what's your favorite then? Um, in terms of the social media sites? Yeah, hmm Yeah, um, well, I have uh, maybe a bit of a love-hate relationship with Pattern Review because I love it on the one hand. It's got such an incredible number of sewists who are there and who are talking and commenting and posting great tips. Um, And on the other hand, I just, I wish it was a little easier to use and I wish it kind of looked a little better. The photographs are kind of small. You have to click on them to see them. So um, in terms of just kind of a passive inspirational experience. I find it's not beautiful enough for that. Um, I like Calabra. I think it looks really pretty and I subscribe to Calabra's uh, newsletter and about... mm, I'm not sure how often they do it, maybe once a week, maybe a little less than that. Uh, They send out an email with, here are a bunch of things that we're finding inspiring and you can click through to see, you know, a number of related projects to that And, and I find that quite inspirational too. Um, yeah, but I think, um, I think for me, I really love the sewing blogs. That's my number one, um, social media inspiration is reading through. I use blog loving to, or I can't call it blog loving, can I? Cause there's no G on it. Blog loving, <laughs> yep. uh, a little more casual is blog loving, um, yep. to, uh, you know, to follow people and to read through and blogs remain my, well, they were my first sewing, love online and they remain my true love for sure.
1: <laughs> Me too. Definitely. I spend some time every day making sure that I'm all caught up on my blog loving feed because I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss anything inspiring for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And one of my favorite bloggers, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, she's wildly popular is of course, uh, Marcy from Una Baluna. She is yes. unbelievable. I mean, just her makes are just so off the charts, incredible. And then, of course, she's so talented in terms of. Um, uh, I think it's her partner who takes the photographs, but then she doctors them up in Photoshop and does, you know, multiple images of her of herself and crazy angles and everything about it just looks so great. And she's so much fun and has such a great sense of humor that I just I just gobble that up as sewing inspiration for sure.
1: Yeah, she is very inspiring, and she's gorgeous too
0: Mm mm-hmm so um I have not done a sew along but I have often wondered about hosting one and the reason I was thinking of hosting one because I'm not sure anyone's done this before probably it's been done I'm sure there are no original ideas left in the universe but I always thought a literary themed sew along would be really interesting so for example choose a month and decide on a book it's almost like a book club so you read the book uh, and then you pick something to sew inspired by the book. So, it could be, for example, I don't know why this one came to mind, but a clockwork orange. Um, because it was sort of like this futuristic novel that was written in the 60s. So you could kind of go with that 60s space age vibe and come up with some kind of cute flared mini dress with bell sleeves or something like that as your sewing project from that. Or you could pick, you know, a Victorian novel, something by Jane Austen and sew some kind of long skirt. Or I I always thought that um, a literary connection with a sew along might be kind of fun. That is a great idea. I love that idea. Well, uh, upcoming
1: sew-alongs, the McCall's Pattern Company is hosting a bomber jacket Mm -hmm. Mm sew-along.
0: Are you going to participate?
1: I might. I have that pattern that they are using, so that'll be nice and easy. And I like sew-alongs because it'll get me to finish, and it will kind of pace me. So I do... Kind of burn out a little bit i'll get going and get it all assembled and then i'll get to like a boring part like the lining or a tricky part that i have to look up like how to attach the zipper to you know both the ribbing and the the body of the jacket and mm-hmm. i'll kind of toss it aside and i think that those so longs are helpful for that so that is a an, is an interesting one and it's going into fall so it could be yeah really yeah. useful
0: Yeah, I think a bomber jacket is a pretty versatile piece for uh, a wardrobe. If I know myself, though, I'm going to pick out some ridiculously crazy colorful print and then I won't be able to wear it with anything. So, you know, (laughs) as usual, that's my my usual MO. But I think that's, I I personally believe that that is why we make handmade.
1: I do. I mean, you can go anywhere and just buy a green bomber jacket and go over to the Gap, but you should make something unique. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, no, you're right good I'm gonna take that to heart and when I'm in the fabric store picking out mounds of mismatched crazy patterns I'm gonna be like yep blame it on me yep
2: (laughs) (laughs) no No, I'd like to
1: see what you pick I think I think that'll be interesting I've seen some really amazing things I think actually that shape and that it's not a core piece so you can put it on if you're feeling wild you can really go crazy with the print um and do something really that's gonna be your fashion statement for the for the outfit for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well you've inspired me now, Helena. I okay. think I might just do a bomber jacket with that sew along. How fun. Inspiration is everywhere. <laughs> that's right. I might just pressure you into doing something. You
1: don't know. Awesome.
0: I know that you have been speaking with our fellow Maven Maris lately yeah. and i know that she's got something awesome to share with us this week do you want to tell us about what uh, what that's all about yeah
1: maris really wants to encourage us to take advantage of all the aspects of our sewing machine that can help elevate our projects and make things easier for us so she is going to give an overview of the most important presser feet and what they're for great let's hear
2: from maven maris hi there this is maris olsen and I blog at SewMaris.com. Today, the thing that I want to talk to you about is the feet that come with your sewing machine or feet that you might want to buy in addition to what comes with your sewing machine. I'm just going to talk about some general feet that I would say come with quite a few sewing machines. I'm not going to say that they all of the feet that I'm going to talk about come standard with every single machine, but they do They are available for every machine, even if you have to purchase them extra. So I'm gonna start with the basic one and it's the universal foot. Now, in my experience, because I'm a sewing teacher, so I see a lot of students and I see a lot of sewing machines. And in my experience, many people come to me having owned their sewing machines for some period of time. And sometimes it's more than a year or two. And the only foot they've ever used is their universal foot. I actually kind of think that's a little bit of a crime. You know, I really do. And the reason that I don't like this is because the specialty feet that come with your sewing machine or that you can purchase, they are are engineered to do an awesome job of one thing, or in some situations, a couple of things. And it's true that you have to take off your universal foot, which is usually a matter of pushing a little button. It's not very hard. And putting the other foot on. And it's totally worth it. Today, I really want to be on my soapbox and encourage everybody to use the feet that come with their machine. The universal foot, it's great. Use it for straight stitching. Another foot that commonly comes with your machine is an open-toe embroidery foot. And it's often clear. You can see through the front of the foot. And so that helps you when you're doing some of the small embroidery or applique stitches that come standard on your sewing machine. I'm not talking about big machines that have embroidery software. I'm talking about machines that have built-in embroidery stitches. So look for that open toe embroidery foot. It's usually clear. And it also, another feature of it is it has this little groove on the underneath side so that when you have a buildup of thread for a stitch that's got a little bit more bulk to it, your foot will ride over that. The universal foot has a tendency to get caught on all that thread buildup. So try using your open toe embroidery foot. Now my favorite foot that comes, I would say this foot comes with almost every sewing machine. There Maybe there's a few really inexpensive ones that don't have it. But almost every sewing machine I've seen has an edge stitch or a blind hem foot. And this is hands down my favorite foot because you can use it for so many things. Some of you who know a little bit about my kind of sewing, the kind of sewing that I like to do know how much I like making shirts. Well, this foot is really helpful in getting your top stitching really straight. You usually either have an ability to adjust the blade on your foot so that you can position the stitching exactly where you want it if you follow along the blade. Or you have the ability to adjust your needle position so that when you're following that blade that's on the foot, then you can adjust the needle. So again, your stitching goes exactly where you want it to go. That's the single most important thing you can do to improve your top stitching: is use a top stitch, you know, an edge stitch or a blind hem foot. It will make it so much straighter you won't even believe it. When I have I have brand new students use it when we're working on certain projects here in my studio, in my sewing studio, you won't believe how straight those kids can stitch. So it will really, really help. It's again, it's one of those things. It's worth popping off that universal foot and putting this nice little blind hammer edge stitch foot on. Another foot that's very common is an overlock foot. And the purpose of this is to, it usually has like a little brush or some little thing on it. Most of the time I see a brush. And what that does is when your thread is wrapping over the raw edge on the right-hand side, because the brush is on the right-hand side of the foot, what it does is it provides a little space for that wrapped thread to go around the fabric and not, you know how when you do a, a zigzag stitch with a universal foot, you know how sometimes the, that fabric will pull up under the zigzag and have a little ridge? Well, that's the purpose of your overlock foot is to prevent that. And it, that little brush allows the thread to wrap around the brush and provide a little extra space for the thread so that it will lie flat on your fabric after the stitch is completed. So give that a try. Another foot that is standard is a zipper foot. Now, some people have told me they've actually put a zipper in with a universal foot, and I just can't hardly believe why anybody would do that. A zipper foot will make your life much simpler, and the point of it is that the foot rides alongside the teeth of the zipper, and the needle is stitching closer to the teeth. So, and usually they are movable so that you can either, the needle can either be positioned on the left-hand side or the right-hand side. So you can go down both sides of the zipper from the same direction. So again, give this a try, practice a little bit. And you also usually have standard, a buttonhole foot. I'm pretty sure on an automatic buttonhole for your sewing machine, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't actually form an automatic buttonhole without using this foot. So sometimes what we used to do in the old days back, you know, when dinosaurs roamed the earth and I learned how to sew, you would make two rows of zigzag stitching that were narrow and then a wider zigzag stitch for the bar tacking at both ends. And you did all that manually. But now we have special buttonhole feet that do this for you. You just set the length of your buttonhole. Boom, you're done. And it's awesome and so fast. Some sewing machines also come with walking feet. And occasionally, and this tends to be higher end machines, you'll have a built in walking foot capability, which is also really awesome. And that's great if you have fabric that's a little bit slippery, if you have a lot of layers that are going together. So quilting is a great example for that. You know, you might want to give your walking foot a try. And it really helps keep all of those layers nice and flat and move through your sewing machine at the same rate. You know how sometimes the lower layer of fabric will move through your machine a little bit faster than the upper layer of fabric? Well, your walking foot will smooth that out. The last foot I want to talk about is for an invisible zipper, inserting an invisible zipper. That foot is totally worth the money. It makes putting an invisible zipper in so fast and so easy that you really don't even have to think about it. It's true that you can use a standard zipper foot to install an invisible zipper. It takes some practice, though. And the reason that it takes some practice to install an invisible zipper with a standard zipper foot is if you stitch too close to the zipper feed, your mach- your zipper will not zip up because what you've done is you've restricted the coils from zipping completely up. The converse of that is if you stitch a little bit too far away, then you see some of the tape on the garment side. Well, then you don't really have an invisible zipper, do you? You have a visible zipper, and that's not the look that you're going for. You can eliminate all of those problems if you just use an invisible zipper foot. Super simple. You'll, you'll be successful first time out. So that's pretty much my rant about sewing machine feet, but I hope that I've encouraged you to at least take them out of the box take a look at them, look at your manual, and see how you might use them. They're great. They're going to make your life easier, and we're all about that, right? So
1: thank you, Maris, for those tips, and I just want to thank her specifically because I've already started using my overlocking foot, and it is very helpful on seam allowances on really light fabrics where you don't want to use a full surged edge. I've used it several times, and it that – um the overlocking really keeps the the seam allowance flat while still allowing you to do the zigzag and finishing your seams. And so I am already very excited about what Maris is telling us about.
0: Awesome. Glad to have her aboard as a maven. Definitely some handy knowledge there. So she'll be back again in another couple of episodes. And uh, don't forget, listeners, that we'd love to hear from you. Give us your thoughts on what makes something look handmade. And uh, we'll include you in our next So Small Talk podcast. Thank you, guys. Lovely to talk to you, Helena. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. For more information and more episodes, visit clothesmakingmavens.com. We would love to hear from you. You'll find options for sending us an email, leaving a comment, or even a voicemail on clothesmakingmavens.com. Hope to hear from you soon, and thanks for listening.